FreshBooks makes ridiculously easy cloud accounting software that's completely transformed how 5 million small business owners deal with their day-to-day paperwork. FreshBooks has basically taken all the really annoying admin tasks you hate doing and turned them into simple, intuitive, and dare I say, even enjoyable moments. For a 30-day unrestricted free trial, go to freshbooks.com money and enter Listen Money Matters in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters, amping your printout porn business returns since October 2013. My name is Thomas, and I'm here as always with the king of printout porn businesses himself. <laughs> <laughs> it was you, right? Oh, yeah. That was your first business back in what, like middle school? Yeah, it was. I, I <laughs> made almost 40 bucks. It was pretty good. That's what you got to do when you're the only person on the block with a decent internet connection. Like, yo, Dude, I went to bigboobs.com. One laser printed <laughs> picture, 25 cents. That was, was pretty good. Oh, my gosh. You know, I have to say, I was never quite so entrepreneurial in school. Uh, you know, they I don't know if they ever did this at your school, but they would give us these cases full of chocolate bars mm. and we would go sell them to raise money for fundraisers or whatever. I think I had to say, uh, sell a bunch to go to do this field trip. And I basically bought myself out. Because I was just addicted to him. <laughs> and I think they knew this would happen. So it's all a scam. Exploiting. I mean, what what is going to happen when you just hand a giant box of chocolate to essentially a child? I, I, I guess mean, I would, was like 16, but come on. You would assume on. they would go on like an excursion or, <laughs> you know. I sold some, mm. but yeah, I ended up just buying most of my own stock. God, excursion. I couldn't think of the word. What's what's the word when you go on like a trip? Class trip is a class trip. Like a field trip? Yeah, field trip. Yeah. Excursion. Hey, excursion sounds pretty cool. Everyone's like, who is this guy? Going on an adventure. Anywho, we are continuing our adventures in real estate. See that? I'm so good at segues. Mm, Nailed it, dude. Extra polished, you know. And uh, so last week we kind of gave the overview of the benefits of real estate investing. I asked some of my questions and uh, I got to tell you, Andrew, over the past week, since we finished that episode, I've been thinking a lot more about potentially looking at properties, especially now that I know you have two mm. or, or is it three? I know you're, uh, so I'm in the middle of third. So when this goes live, I'll probably be like 70% through with the process. Nice. Yeah. I got to say, um, the fact that you have two, Mm. And it's it's real. And now that we have this tool going live, I'm like, all right, I might do it. I think I think that like the, the big revelation that came out of last week's episode was as long as you have the down payment and as long as you do the, the research, um, basically day one, you have a cash flowing investment. And so. one of the things I want to cover in this one, when we go through the numbers is there's there's so many like what ifs. And, mm-hmm. and like, guess what? You just build that into your model. You yeah. know, the same way you have an emergency account and, you know, what if you lose your job? Like you, you take like automatic precautions. Mm-hmm. All, the whole thing is automated, basically. That's, that's what I've done. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about how to evaluate a property. Mm. And my first question for you, because I'm stuck before we even get to the evaluation stage, how do you find a property? Like, wh- where do you, I don't know, do I just walk around my neighborhood and look for properties that are available? 
uh, I know that y- like the stuff you bought is not in Hoboken. Mm. So I'm so, guessing you're not just like skipping rocks down a road in Georgia and being like, hey, I'll, I'll take that one. So um, I, I want to go in depth into finding like the good ones in the fourth mm. episode. But all the properties that I've got were through somebody who is um, appealing to investors, right? I, okay. I didn't go on like the MLS and hunt, although you could. What's um, that? Uh, it's uh, it's like this um, listing area for property. So if you're going to go buy some place to live in, um, it, only real estate brokers have access to it. Uh, okay. MLS.com? Uh, I don't know if it's MLS.com. You're not going to be able to look at it anyways. Because mm, okay. you're not a broker. Dang it. But, what um, if I became a broker? Well, if you became a broker, then you would. Um, but then you'd have to also pay a fee. Now, uh, okay. in terms of the companies, uh, we're interviewing the CEO of the company that I have fallen in love with um, next week. Mm-hmm. So, well, so let's keep that close to the chest. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're not even going to like, we won't even mention it. Okay. Just, but, uh, just for anybody curious, because I was curious, an MLS is a multiple listing service. Uh, so I what, what, just, what I will say is we're not going to mention the company name in this episode, but if you're slick... Um, we'll actually throw the link in the show notes so you can get, um, you can get a head start on everybody. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but let, let's, some uh, delusions of grandeur here. We're going to start a new gold rush. Mm, mm, <laughs> yes. People listen to our podcast and immediately the real estate market just dries up overnight. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to lock mine in before, you know, but yeah, yeah I, th- I think there's going to be, but anyway, so let's get into the, the numbers piece of it. Okay, so um, I'll just start out with a question. You keep saying this word cash on cash. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what does that mean? Like a dollar bill on top of another dollar bill? I don't know. So what the heck is cash on cash return? So cash on cash is the actual return that you will get with your investment. It takes into account all property specific expenses, okay. the cost of financing, Uh, It's basically how much you paid for the... It takes into consideration everything you paid for the entire deal. So if it cost me $1,000 to get a property Mm -hmm. and I made $100 a year on it, um, I would be making 10% a year. 10% cash on cash. So this is an annual thing. Mm -hmm. And... You so basically you calculate the percentage. It's your yearly based return on the entirety of the value, right? On what you contributed. So if you oh, bought the so entire it's a fifty thousand dollar mortgage and um and you put it, in ten twenty percent, so you put in ten thousand dollars. Right. Like you're obviously your cash on cash return would be much higher because you're using leverage. Okay, so I got it. So basically, you don't think about the mortgage. You don't think about the fact that you're paying the mortgage because all you're thinking about is here's the dollar amount I ponied up at the beginning of the investment. The rent takes care of the mortgage every single month going forward from there. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm just basically viewing it as I put in ten thousand today, and uh, over the course of the first year, I make a thousand dollars total profit um, minus the minus the mortgage payments minus the um, property taxes minus any maintenance, whatever. Mm. So my cash on cash is 10%. 
Is yes. that right? Yeah. And okay. and I want to I want to add to that, but first I want to say um we're like diving into this. I have slave labored to build a tool that you can use for free that will pull in the knowledge of the internet and basically calculate everything for you. Mm-hmm. Uh it's like no if you go to pro.listenmoneymatters.com um you can get the rental property portion for free right now. Uh, and you can go there and like follow along with us. Um, it might but, be useful. Like, it, I mean, I know a lot of people drive mm. or, you know, unicycle and juggle while they're listening, but I'm looking at a property on it right now. So if you're at a computer or something, you know, I'm probably going to be going through a lot of the numbers on the tool itself. Mm. So, yeah, so, so you would follow along. Yeah. Just search the property in there. Uh, it'll pull a bunch of numbers. There are also tool tips. Uh, but but we'll, we'll talk more about the tool in a little bit. Mm-hmm. In terms of cash on cash, that's what. Uh, your return is with leverage. Not everyone okay. wants to do that. You know, if you're 60 something and you don't want to take a lot of risk um, and you can't, I mean, oh, it depends, I guess, how you feel about the risk of owning a property outright. There's something called yeah. the cap rate, which is basically if you did no financing. So it's the cost of the property, it's, you know, property taxes, all that information over the purchase price so so they only use cash on cash as a term if you financed correct i mean well i mean not okay not necessarily because cash on cash is your specific deal um cap uh uh, yeah okay okay so i'll I'll say like this it's basically without financing yeah huh okay now um uh, yeah, cash and cash return measures the annual return the investor made on the property in relation to the down payment only. Okay, gotcha. Mm. So then if there is no down payment, we just use the term cap rate. Yeah, and then so there's different calculation for that in the tool. And then there's like a really easy rule of thumb number that you use to compare properties. Mm-hmm. And that's just gross yield, where it's just like how much rent you're going to get times 12 divided by the purchase price. Okay, so a fifty thousand dollar home, um, you know, one thousand dollar per month rent. You get twelve thousand dollars a year divided by fifty, so it's whatever that is. Yeah. Okay. And um, it's if you're using this tool, it's pr- it's less useful because this tool is going to basically figure th- everything out for you. But yeah. generally speaking, like if you're online and people are like referencing numbers, everyone uses the gross yield as like a back of the envelope number because it's easy to calculate. Um, and mm. it's, it's a good way to compare property against property. Okay. So with this tool, cash and cash is probably going to be the most important initial number to look at. That, that's what you should expect back from the yeah. property in cash. Okay. So basically, I mean, you had monthly cash flow that written down. That's, is that still, that's not, well, cash and cash is the percentage. So mm. the monthly cash flow is the actual dollar amount. Do we have that written down too? Or? Yeah. So, uh, and actually I, I want to like preface this again okay. um, before we like dive in. Uh, a lot of people who have gone into rental properties, and I think a lot of people know people who have gone into rental properties, mm-hmm. most of them have not done like some serious math on it, right? Sounds uh, like going to college. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it only costs $200,000 for me to get a fishing degree. Like, nailed it. Like, I'm, nice. I'm doing it. Yeah, so, like, we're, we're basically 
showing you exactly how you know the numbers look and we're only going to realistically entertain properties that make money right like mm-hmm. so um yeah anyways so what what's your definition of make money like do you have a specific um like dollar amount you want to make per month on a property when you evaluate it or is it a, is it like a percentage and it could be low dollars like what do you so think of? I, I personally um, chase cash on cash. So I want okay. I I want above 20% cash on cash. Um, I, I okay. am maybe a bit more risky than most. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that's what I'm looking for is above 20, 20%. Um, now, if you look at a property in this tool mm-hmm. and you, I mean, you get a specific cash on cash percentage or whatever is that basically what you can expect or is there some negotiating you can do you know can you decide on a higher rent or can you try to buy it for less money like what are your options there yeah so um purchase price is is the biggest lever that you can pull Mm. um and i mean let's let's be real here if you uh can like take one thousand dollars off the purchase price and you're using leverage, so you're, so you're financing through a bank, reducing the purchase price by $1,000 will meaningfully improve your cash on cash. So okay. yeah. if you're negotiating with someone, I mean, you don't want to be a dick and then they don't want to deal with you and whatever, but like being shrewd there and trying to get a good deal, like that's that's the biggest move you can make. Mm-hmm. So I bought a property for 110 and okay. uh, I lose. I I, ga- I would gain about a percentage cash on cash if I had bought it at like one oh nine. And wow, these are um because because the actual cost of the property isn't that. Actually, I'm sorry. It's I I gain about half a percent. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and the cool thing is that the tools you could actually run these numbers and like estimate stuff, and it's it's pretty easy. Um, yeah. So that, that's that's the biggest piece. Um, and then my concern are, are like the major ongoing costs. So property mm-hmm. taxes, property insurance, property management. Okay. So how do you, I mean, is that all data that you can look up as well? Just Oh, I just gets pulled in. Yeah. So right now, um, the property taxes and property insurance are estimated. Uh, okay. I have a service that I'll be adding in shortly where it's like paid. And I, and probably if you subscribe, I'll just give you that number, the actual last year's number. Yeah. Save you some time, but you could go to Zillow. Um, and if it's available, you'll find it on the Zillow page for that property. Okay. So you've got that, you got property insurance and then management's usually 10%. We said, right? So management's usually 10%. Um, my first property, it's 10%. Uh, the company that I went with for my last two that we'll talk about next week, um, they negotiate for you. And since they have a lot of clients, I actually got 6% on the property management. Really? Yeah. So That's good. My yield is, is 25.69. And I can set this to 6%. Yeah. And then it changes the numbers. Oh, sweet. Okay. But if, if I, I would lose just about 3% of my yield... If the proper management was ten percent, yeah. Well, I'm looking over here. If I if I set, uh, there's a specific property I'm looking at right now. So with that ten percent property management, I'm at a negative point three five cash on cash. But if I set it to six percent, then I get a point eight three percent cash on cash. So that gets me above the red. Even still, this particular property I'm looking at doesn't look like a good investment. Mm. Looking at the cash on cash, 
So, and I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at listing on the tool we're going to be talking about next week. So I'm pulling in their, their displayed purchase price and their displayed current rent. Um, dude, do you, do you have the listing of the property that I sent you? Um, you sent me a listing? Uh, the link I sent you, the share link. Oh, yes. Yep, that one's still so in the tool. You could uh, send share links to people of, of your evaluation. Is this yours? Yeah, that that's on. This oh is my, my second God. property. Yeah. So that these return these, is bonkers. So this is these are the real numbers. Um, and I guess the thing is, like, if I was evaluating a property and I wanted to show Laura, I'm like, can we get this? You know, what do you think? I would just send her my link that uh, you know, it locks the numbers. You know, no one knows it's me sending yeah. it, so I could send it to whatever um this is interesting because the ones i've been looking at the cash on cash has been lower than the gross yield and the cap rate both times i looked mm. but with yours your cash on cash is higher than both so most properties will not be like this i think when you get into this space and you start to look around mm-hmm. like no one's if you're a, an investor in real estate no one's going to pitch you a shitty cash on cash because no one's going to buy that. Like maybe yeah. if you're a newbie and you've done no research, they might be able to pull the wool over your eyes. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, the properties that are available um, look very similar to this. With a 25% cash on cash. I mean, that's towards the higher end, but I okay. think uh, 15% is, is easy to get. Um, huh. You know, you're not going to get that in New York or San Francisco, but yeah. But, you know, Georgia, Iowa, Nebraska, stuff like that. Indianapolis, Florida. Yeah. So I guess this higher cash on cash just underlines the benefit of leverage. Yeah. Because our other rates are based on the full purchase price. But so, this is based on here's what you plunk down. Exactly. So my, my cash on cash is over 25%. But if you look at the cap rate, it's 10.8, right? Mm-hmm. So by using financing... I'm act- I could actually get another property or two. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, or technically, if I had the full value of the property, I could get four more properties in addition to that one. And each one would have a higher yield. So I guess this really underlines the benefits of leverage here mm. because this is a $22,000 down payment plus $3,500 closing costs. Well, think of it like this. So if I just bought it flat out in cash, my yield would be 10.8%. Yeah, but the money that I can get from the bank is for well, what I'm what I got for this property is four point five percent, right? So if you're taking cheap money and you're earning on it, and that I guess that yeah. that's why, right? That the yield is well. Plus, I mean, say you know the purchase price of this house is one hundred and ten, and then say the closing costs were I don't know I don't know if they'd be higher or the same. These but, are these are real numbers right here, but yeah. Well, I'm saying like if you so if you bought it outright, would the closing costs be the same? Does the fact that you finance influence the closing costs at all? Uh, or not? So, so to put in perspective, my closing costs were three point two three percent of the purchase price, and so so amounted to three thousand five hundred dollars, and mm-hmm. a thousand of those were uh, loan origination. Okay, so if you bought it outright, it would have lower closing costs, right? But it would still be one hundred and ten thousand. So you would have spent one hundred and ten thousand on your initial investment with which you would make a 10.83% return on your cap rate. Or you can just make the down payment. You're getting a 25% return after all the expenses, including paying off the mortgage every Mm -hmm. month. And now you've got an extra 
$90,000 yeah. to go do this with another property or two or three or yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you could do it with, you could probably do it with two or three more properties with the same amount of money and you're making way more. And now you've also spread your investment and diversified a bit, which is exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> so that's freaking smart. If you're an entrepreneur who's not on top of your business finances, you need a good dose of FreshBooks in your life. FreshBooks is the ridiculously easy cloud accounting software made specifically for small business owners who need to find a better way to deal with their paperwork. You could link up your credit and debit card so next time you expense that business lunch or tank of gas, it'll show up automatically in your FreshBooks account. If you've got multiple projects running simultaneously, FreshBooks keeps all your cash flow details in one place. That means you'll always know what invoices you sent, when you sent them, and which clients still need to pay. You can even track your time either from your phone or your desktop. This way you always know what work you did, when you did it, and who you did it for. For a 30-day unrestricted free trial, go to freshbooks.com money and enter Listen Money Matters in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Um, I want to look at so so my rent estimate for this property that I bought for 110 is 1,200 a month. Right now, if you go to the box below, it says cash flow. Mm-hmm. Right there's there's annual, monthly, medium term, long term, so on. Right. Yeah. What's this medium term? So I get with annual and monthly. So we want to get to medium term. Medium term is where I'm really excited to tell you because okay. uh, that, that's like part of the model. So first you have um, annual, which is mm-hmm. basically, uh, you know, if you did $1,200 and I'm just going to kind of do it. That'd be $14,400, right? There you go. Thank you. God. That's why it's good to do a podcast with smart people. You got to learn your multiplication tables, man. <laughs> 12 great. times 12? I don't know that. <laughs> I learned up to 11. (laughs) 11 times 11. Do you know that one? Anyways, moving on. (laughs) Uh, So, so if you, if you took $1,200 times it by 12, you get $14,400, but we don't keep that because we have to pay property taxes, property insurance, property Mm -hmm. management, all that stuff. So the annual, for my property, it says $6,565. Right. That's the actual cash that I will get in a year after I've paid everything. Now, question before we move on from here. Mm-hmm. We have talked about a vacancy rate. Mm. So Don't bring right it up yet. Have... Okay, well, so, okay, no, 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 bring no, it up, bring it up. I want to know, is the vacancy rate taken into account with this annual cash flow? Basically, in the annual are, we already, are we already subtracting the 5% per month based on that, or are we not? So that's the secret sauce in the medium term. So, so there's an annual number, which is just how much cash you will get, right? Like you will get that cash, even if your house is on fire, as long as they're in there paying rent. Okay. Know. So we're, that doesn't take into account vacancy rate, right? Because but it does take into account your property management and your taxes and your insurance, right? So, yeah. So it, it takes into account all of your costs, except for your unknown costs. Gotcha. Right? So annual is, is, Unless there's something terribly wrong or you don't have a tenant, um, annual is what you're getting mm-hmm. for the year. And monthly is just annual divided by 12. So for this property, after all expenses, 
I get $547 a month. Boom. Right? Now, okay. to your point, because you're like, what about vacancy? What about cap? Like, you know, what if I have to, like, replace a fridge or repair a roof or whatever? Mm-hmm. New HVAC. Um, There's no way to, like, be like, well, you know, in exactly two years, I'm going to have to replace a roof and it costs blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So there are uh, common estimations that uh, landlords use. For example, um, in any specific location, the the U.S. publishes stats. Uh, you could find them; they're available pretty much anywhere uh, on the vacancy rate of that area. Mm-hmm. So that is the total amount of rental units that don't have a tenant in them, on average. Right. Okay. And across the U.S., on average, it's five percent. Now. I have a property in Indianapolis. Indianapolis is 8%. So it depends okay. on the area, but a general rule of thumb is 5%, right? Yeah. Now, um, another rule of thumb is, you know, in the first years you have your property, things will be good, but, you know, things are going to break. And so it makes sense to hold 5% for minor problems, you know, like fixing a countertop, like there's like a whatever, and 5% for major. So... I have this okay. number. It's like called major minor capex. That's just break fixes. Mm-hmm. And I have it at 10%. So you could make that 20%. You can make that number whatever you want. And the vacancy rate, you can make whatever you want. This. And stop. so basically, you're saving 15% a month for, oh shit, there's no tenant. Or, oh shit, the roof collapsed. Or, oh shit, the toilet needs to be unplugged or something. Exactly. all those kind of things. What what you do is instead of fearing the fact that something is going to happen and then I can't do this because I'm going to get hit with a random fee or whatever, Mm -hmm. is you use statistics um, and and we've done the math for you. And if you have a 5% vacancy rate, you just take 5% and you hold it in like a reserve account. So that when you do have a vacancy, you're still collecting your income like you'd expect and and you could cushion the blow and not like take down your entire rental empire. Yeah. Right. Because you're cool with your pants down. So the medium term number. So my monthly cash that I get is 547. But based on these numbers, my medium term is 367. So I'm basically taking um, $180 a month. And I'm just saving that on the side for a rainy day to handle this property. So I'm still getting cash, mm-hmm. but I'm also slowly building an account that will absorb issues. So my question about this, um, it says the 15% rule. So, I mean, that's vacancy rate plus the major minor capex, right? Mm-hmm. But then the formula you have written in the box says rent minus the mortgage payment then minus vacancy reserve plus uh, capex reserve. The, so it does, it you're calling mention, me out on uh, my in development. So you're oh, looking is, at is that not mentioning that? Because I'm guessing is property taxes, insurance, management the, is that in there as well? Just not written down. It is. It is. So that that's okay. in the monthly number. And so this is basically the monthly number. Whatever you're getting after all of your property expenses minus your your. Reserve expenses. Okay, so what the what the formula area should say is monthly minus vacancy reserve mm-hmm. and capex, not just rent. Right? Yeah, I, okay. I have to update so the tooltip. Okay, 
So that brings us to long term. So, so this is different, right? Hmm. So you have your monthly. That's, that's what you are getting in dollars every month. You mm-hmm. have your medium term, which is if you're smart, you're going to take a certain amount based on the area and whatever and keep it on the side mm-hmm. for a rainy day to cover your mortgage, whatever. That's a medium term. You should, and I just want to say, you should never buy a property that is not profitable in this medium term column. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. So um, now the long term column is another like back of the envelope rule of thumb. <clears throat> and basically it's it's thought that if you took so say like shit is really bad, right? Like just things are in disarray, you don't have a tenant, it's just really, really bad. Um you take your rent, you you take half of it and you just throw it away. Because that's going to fix everything. Okay. Then the remaining half, you subtract all your normal expenses. And long-term is what you're left with. So the thought with long-term is you could lose half of your rent every month due to stupid fixes. Yeah. And then pay all of your expenses. And if you're still profitable, you're like, in my my property, I'm making $154 a month in the long-term. That means, like, in Armageddon times, I could expect So this basically means your tenants literally... Uh, they're just like, we're just going to send you half rent. And for some reason, like the corrupt local government's like, that sounds good. You're still fine. Dude, like, <laughs> I, could you imagine having to put $600 into a property every single month because that much shit's going wrong? I mean, I wouldn't want to have to do that, but uh, I know people who basically do that or worse. So, And, yeah. and the point is, like, you know what? Shit happens, and I'm not going to mm-hmm. say it won't happen to you because it's possible. But if you're positive in this long-term field, like, it's highly likely you'll be able to weather pretty much everything. Yeah. So, question. I understand that with the medium term, you are literally taking 15% of your um, of your monthly return. And you're saving that. Mm. It's still your money, right? You if have, you needed to spend it, you're just you not using it, right? You're you're so just building a buffer for yourself. Yeah. So with the long term, does that does that uh, is it is that basically an action you're taking? Are you taking fifty percent of your rent and saving it somewhere like the similar thing, or is it just like okay, I know that that number is positive. I'm not going to put extra money away, but at least I know it's positive, so I know I could take a punch if I have to. Is that what it is? You, you could do a reserve, but the thing is, if you are always keeping your reserve of vacancy plus your CapEx, and this is all like spelled out for you on, in the tool, mm-hmm. if, if you're in one of these like quote-unquote long-term situations, you, you pull from your reserve account, and, and you should be fine, because even if okay. you were to absorb 100% of the cost, you know, you'd still be fine. So basically, you're saying you don't have to save literally 50% of that monthly return, mm-hmm. you just save the 15%. And it's more about setting expectations, right? Uh, Because I think there's a lot of scenarios and then all of the unknowns are all the reasons why someone will. Same thing with the stock market, right? If you don't understand Mm -hmm. the stock market, you're not going to invest. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's really important to basically like all the cards on the table. This is the worst case scenario. Um, Yeah. All right. So we understand that. Uh, and then we have your first year equity. I'm guessing that is the, is that the dollar amount of the long term times twelve or what is that? So okay, so um, or is it different? 
I, I figure th this tool will be improved oh, over no, no, time, no. but okay. this is like if you're looking to buy the property, uh, you're going to get your monthly cash flow. So I get monthly $547. <laughs> but in that, uh, I'm paying a mortgage payment. I mean, technically, right. my tenant is paying a mortgage payment, and mm -hmm. a lot of that is interest, but some of that is principal. So the first year equity is the amount of principal paid by my tenant. So in this example, I make five forty-seven a month, but in the first year, the tenant will have contributed fourteen hundred dollars in equity. Back to the principal of the mortgage. Right. Okay. So I'm gaining uh, on on my property. Oh, just so this is the percentage of the property you own now. Basically. Yeah. So I, I would gain okay. fourteen hundred more in ownership of this. Sweet. Hmm. All right, so let's move over to the acquisition costs then. Cool. We've got our down payment. Um, I'm guessing you stick with 20%, right? Is that like the just go-to number, no reason to go higher and no reason to go lower because PMI? So uh, you will get a slightly better rate if you do 25% down. Okay. Um, some states may require you to do it. Uh, I believe New Jersey does. I would never mm -hmm. invest in New Jersey personally. Um, or at least the places I've seen. Uh, the, from what I saw, the like reduced cost is not it is less than the increase in return. So I personally would always put twenty percent down. A lot okay. of people, as a rule of thumb, put twenty five percent. So we've got twenty percent. We had a four point five mortgage rate, and that gets us twenty five percent cash on cash. Uh, oh, I can't change your numbers. So I don't know what do you, what happens if you set 25%, what would that get you? Like a full percentage point? Would that get you half? What do you think? So it would it would take it to a 22.2% return, whereas before it was 25.69. Okay, so smarter to do just straight 20%. Because mm. you, you don't want to be paying PMI. No, so you no. you don't want to go any lower and than 20%. I, I, think if you're, I don't think they will allow you to do that with a rental property. Besides the uh, fact that yeah, PMI is... Yeah, but I mean, besides the fact PMI is like literally the stupidest thing like you could ever do. Yeah, it's just dumb. just send me a check for a couple thousand dollars. <laughs> hey, you can do that anyway. Well, yeah. you can send it to me, but <laughs> um, split okay. it evenly between Thomas and I. Sixty percent for me, forty percent for Thomas. Hey, sixty percent of the time that works every time. <laughs> so, all right, um, thirty-year mortgage that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing it's it's smart to just do a fixed rate mortgage. Not so, an arm or anything. I so saw personally my my home that I live in is an arm, but for my investment properties, I want to know what the cost is in ten years. I want to control that. Okay, and then you've got the renovation budget here. So basically, I'm guessing you know you're looking at this thing. You're like, hey, this could be a good place, but it really needs new carpet. Mm. So you call up a local contractor, or maybe you have the property manager do that, and they give you a quote. You stick that number in here, and that's going to change all the numbers accordingly, right? It, it effectively is like buying it. So say you added a thousand dollars renovation budget. It's effectively the same as increasing your purchase price by a thousand dollars. Okay. Gotcha. So, so it calculates it in as a cost because whatever your initial cost is, will will determine your cash on cash. Now question here. Uh, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but if I'm looking at a rental property and I know it needs some fixes, and say it's a like, substantial fix, mm -hmm. you know, like $5,000 worth of repairs. 
Is it always going to be a situation where I have to plunk down my down payment plus the extra 5000 or can I negotiate those repairs into the mortgage and leverage the cost of those repairs along with the property price itself? So uh, that that's an awesome question. Uh, so I've been into rental properties and have slowly gotten like quite a lot of people work interested. I mean, well, me and this this guy, Neil, that, that sits next to me, uh, we've been like in it and uh, talking about it. And so this one guy at work, he uh, is doing that. So I, I believe it's called a homestead or home style loan. And okay. as part of the terms, you negotiate with the bank a certain, you know, like $20,000, 5000 whatever in um, work as part of the loan. And then okay. the the uh, bank will disperse the money directly to the contractor. Okay. So, gotcha. so it's control. Like the bank is not going to be like, yeah, these twenty thousand dollars in work. Here's twenty thousand dollars. Like go to Vegas. Like they control the process yeah. and make sure that it makes sense. Um, so it says, yeah, here homestead loans is a term used for loans made available to lower income households for the purpose of buying houses or bringing substandard housing up to local building codes. So, and the cool part with I that guess, is, are the limits there? I mean, say you have an idea. You're like, hey, I think this rental property is going to cash flow way better if I throw a jacuzzi in the back. <laughs> like, is, is the bank going to like throw you out if you if you come up with that idea? So uh, maybe the the way that my my buddy was doing it, or the way mm-hmm. he was thinking about it, is um, say you had a hundred thousand dollar place and you put twenty thousand in, and after the work is done, it is worth a hundred and forty thousand. Yeah. Right. So you would gain on the equity there. And what you can do, um, and I haven't done this, so I, I think it's an awesome idea. Um, but in six months after you get your mortgage, it is possible that you could refinance. And if you gained 40000 or technically 20000 in equity over your mortgage in six months, you could refinance and pull the money out of the property and then oh, buy okay. another one with it. Oh, getting real advanced here but uh yeah we're, i don't want to go too deep there because i haven't tried it myself um <laughs> yeah you haven't done that yet can okay. only attest to what i've done so i think we've explained most of what's in the tool the only other field we haven't talked about is the hoa field and that's pretty self-explanatory if there's Homeowners an hoa you throw that in there it'll it'll change the numbers accordingly um okay so what are the steps then First, you find the property. And mm. I mean, we're going to be talking with uh, the people from the site that we're teasing next week. Mm. And I'll just tell you guys, like, it, it it's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the way I will do it. I'll put it that way because I don't want to go too crazy on this. I'm a busy man. What else do people do? You know, I th- this is a pretty new site. So mm. how else do people find rental properties? Uh, so the way I found my first one is I met a guy through someone else and he sent me a spreadsheet and cause I'm a crazy motherfucker. I bought a property site unseen through okay. phone. Con- and that, that's kind of how it's done. Unless you fly out. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my buddy Neil, who's been doing this with me also flew out. I mean, well, not also he flew out and, and looked at my property and, and his cause he bought nearby. Oh, he looked at yours. Yeah, I, so at least had somebody like run a set of eyes over it. Ex- exactly. Okay. And um, that is kind of how it's done now, right? Yeah. Um, you know, unless you're flying out, and so I guess the the this company 
that we'll talk about next week. Uh, they, they've really raised the bar um, on like making you not have to fly out mm-hmm. and just being like an above board transaction, not like a nail biting transaction. Yeah. And see that I think that's the main source of fear, uh, especially for me. You know, I, I have very limited time to do something like this, mm. so I don't want to be fielding calls from like some dude in a back alley. I don't know, in Atlanta. And he's like, hey, I've got a sweet deal for you in Las Vegas. Uh, you won't be able to see the pictures, but here's the numbers. Like, I don't I don't I don't I want something where I can at least see a picture and know that there's people. Someone else has dealing with on all the line. It. Yeah. And I would be willing to give up a little bit of percent for that because I don't want to be a real estate investing like full time dude. The, the 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 unfair part though is that we recorded that episode before this episode, so you know how that conversation went. <laughs> oh, I do. And yes. you met the guy. <laughs> They'll meet the guy. Um, but but I want to talk on like some uh, percentage rules, right? So there's you know okay. it's like the four percent rule for retiring, and mm-hmm. um, we did an episode on that. Uh, there's a couple percent rules in real estate that I think are worth discussing. Yeah. Um, the first one, uh, the most common one that I think you'll find is the 1% rule. And that's basically, um, is your monthly rent at least 1% of the purchase price? Oh, okay. So in the case of my property, I bought it for 110,000 and it, earns 1200 a month so i'll do 1200 divided by 110 i'm in 110,000 and uh if that is above 1% then i mean if it is 1% or above that's considered investment grade like it is worth considering interesting if it is below 1% you could just stop there because it's not likely it's going to work out for you my house is um well below one percent. The your house? What do you mean? The one I live in. But you don't know when the guy bought it and how much he bought it for. Well, I I looked those things up on the county assessor page. So you could so. see how much. Yeah, you could see on Zillow how much you. But dude, just because he bought it and you're living there doesn't mean it was a good financial move for him. That's true. My my buddy at work. Uh, and he, it's not like some dude. I think like a big company owns it, so mm-hmm. they probably just. You they know, just needed to park money or things. Look, my my friend at work who has um, three properties, uh, two of which are in Florida. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm sorry, he has four rental properties because one's in Philly. He used to live there. He moved to New York, and it was underwater, so he rents he rented it, and now it's yeah. like pretty much even. So it doesn't qualify for the one percent rule, but he owns it and rents it out. You know, his future yeah. ones cash flow like beasts because he was, he educated himself. He, mm-hmm. al- he also educated me, but, um, okay. Mm-hmm. So when people are out there looking for that, like, don't try to buy my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can see right here, the medium term is in the hole. So, no uh, good. yeah, I don't know if like the, all the numbers are exactly accurate in here, but I think they're pretty close. So then we have the 15% rule, which mm-hmm. I think that's the, um, that's, that's basically, your medium term, right? That's like a, yeah. Me, if you were just like on the street, someone was offering you a property and you want like back of the envelope, calculate it out. Um, yeah, that'd be the so 15. 15% rule to really spell it out is um, 15% of what I, or of the rent, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, 15%. Well, yeah. 
or no, no, 15% of what I get of my monthly return is going to be shoved away. No, 15% of the rent. Oh. 15% of the rent. Okay, gotcha. The, the so monthly rent. Of the, of the monthly rent. We're going to shove that away. And as long as I still have more money left over after that, so then we're good. As an example, 1200 a month is my rent. 15% of that is $180. Mm-hmm. So every month I take $180 and I throw that in a reserve account for when shit hits the fan. Um, yeah. and, and to put in perspective of this property, if you click to the, the mortgage tab, uh, okay. it will actually, yeah, it'll show you the, the payment for my property. Oh, the amortization schedule, yeah. So uh, the payment is $445.89. That's what I owe the bank, and I have everything escrowed. Okay. Um, Sweet. Yeah. So. And I think right now, if you share a property with me, there is no mortgage tab for me, but I can look at it for the one that I looked up. If you instead of overview, if you just type mortgage in the bar, I, oh. it's all going to be fixed and way better. Um, yeah. Actually, to be honest, like, yeah, if you're logged in, if you're not logged in, by the way, creating an account is free. Um, it's not going to give you all the all the good stuff. <laughs> Got to keep something. Okay, so we have our 50% rule. Mm. Now, that's just the long term, and that is basically what if you were losing 50% of your rent every month? Um, would you still have positive return every month on mm. 50% of the rent? And that doesn't imply any action. That just means I feel like a badass, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> there was like a fly, and I didn't even use my whole hand. I just took two fingers and pinched it in midair. So I had to let you know that. <laughs> Anyway, so you get a positive return every month off of 50% of the rent, and that is an indication of a very good deal, most likely. Mm. And then you have the rule of 72, which we didn't talk about yet here, but that that has to do with doubling your investment, right? Right. So um, it's basically like how long it would take for you to pay back. So Okay. uh, yeah. So, so if you took um, my property, which we've been using as an example, and the cash on cash is 25.69%. Mm-hmm. So the rule 72 is that you take 72 and you divide it by the, the actual percentage, 25.69. So I get 2.8. That's how many years uh, it'll take for me to make back my investment. So... Oh, okay. I bought this, and that's just on um, the cash on cash income, not counting like uh, appreciation or the equity equity you build. So, based on the money that I make, yeah, I guess that makes sense. In two point eight years, I'll make all my yeah, because five hundred forty seven dollars a month over the course of twenty or thirty ish months mm. should get back that initial twenty five ish thousand dollars. Cool. And just to put in perspective, so if you do 72 divided by 7, which is the average yearly return for the market, we say, mm-hmm. uh, that means you'll double your money or you'll make your money back uh, in 10.28 years. So a little, pretty a little good different. for real estate. Mm. Now, is that in the tool anywhere or is that going to be in the tool anywhere? Um, that might be in the portfolios or the prop. There's like a my properties that's not done yet. Okay. And I'm going to do stuff like tell you what your capacity is. So you have this much in cash and wealth. How yeah. much property will the banks even let you buy and what, what is appropriate? And yeah, all these things will be in there. So we've talked about the numbers in mm-hmm. this episode. 
I mean, I think we have like a full episode's worth here. What else do you have to consider when you're evaluating a property? I mean, how do you how do you evaluate, you know, the quality of the neighborhood or how do you evaluate the state of the property or I don't know, any anything? Like what are the kind of pitfalls? What are the kind of less numbery things you have to look at? Um so you definitely should look at schools crime rate right there there will soon be a crime tab and i mean a, a research tab that will pull okay. this information in um the company that we talk about next week uh they provide most of this information to you yeah um th- these are things like where if, if the schools are terrible and the crime is high the yield is probably awesome but it's also probably really risky mm-hmm. and then the tenants you're going to get are going to be maybe less savory yeah, I basically just want like a sweet old couple that'll just take care of everything and never break a single thing. <laughs> and stay there for 20 years and just, you know. Oh, that actually brings up a good question. So I was talking with my mom and a couple of her friends last night and they were saying, you know, they're not rental experts, but they were saying they'd heard that duplexes are uh, a good thing to look into if you want to get into rental properties. I mean, have you heard anything or read up on duplexes at all? I've heard a lot of good thing about duplexes things about duplexes there's there's something about the economies of scale where you have like one heating unit possibly or one roof at least mm-hmm. you know to worry about well, um, plus you have uh probably i mean you're never going to have it fully vacant or i guess there's less likelihood of it being fully vacant mm-hmm. so the one thing you know. with uh they say is like a like a really broad assumption is that a single family homes usually, which is what I've been buying and, and what we're kind of focusing on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people tend to stay longer. Like they tend oh, okay. to attract maybe more families and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, uh, a unit in a duplex or in something bigger, uh, they tend to have shorter times that they stay at the property. Okay. Gotcha. And, so maybe uh, the vacancy rate kind of balances out mm. between people not staying as long and there being twice the rent paying families in the property. You know, it's a personal preference. I don't know if it's mm. better or worse. I just haven't yeah. really focused on that. Okay. That could be a cool thing to look into. Maybe we can get a duplex investor on the show at some point. Fuck yeah. It'd be pretty cool. Well, do you think we, uh, I mean, we didn't cover it. Like, I think this is, this could be an entire websites worth of content here but I think, it's a pretty good <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a pretty good intro and mm. uh, good education on the numbers and i'm feeling more confident here so there, there is one thing i want to harp on okay um everyone like I, I feel like these all the numbers that we talked about this this episode uh no one really talks about these or, they, or it's not it's usually um secondary to appreciate appreciation like the property values appreciation like i buy it at 250 and then it gets assessed at 300 you know, yeah and then i sell it and i make 50 g's it. right i feel yeah. like i feel like that gets most of the focus um well, we've always been kind of about the cash flow you know not the selling return on investment so in the tool, uh, it's going to estimate, and there's going to be a projections tab, maybe mm-hmm. not when it launches, and it'll estimate what appreciation will be. You should really not care about appreciation. If it ne- if it just appreciates the same value as the dollar, like you know, inflation, 3% or something, that's awesome. Like, yeah. you're, you're not going to make your money, like you want to make your money on the cash flow. 
So what, like, what's the concrete reason for that? Is it just not play out better in the long term on like for the most part or what? Appreciation is speculation, right? Whatever okay. the property is worth is whatever someone's willing to pay for it. And it depends mm-hmm. on the neighborhood and this and that and whatever. And in many places it could take months to sell a property. Yeah. Um, the cash flow. I mean, people need to pay rent. If someone mm-hmm. is on hard times, they may lose their home, but then they'll start renting. Um, yeah, so I if you could focus on the monthly operations and how that works out, like that, I think that's how you um, determine a good investment. So I think that's a pretty good overview. And next week we're going to have that interview. So with, with, our, buddy. Really, with our buddy, mm-hmm. with our secret mystery man, um, that should really help to... I think make the whole process of selecting and finding properties so much easier and just helping you have more peace of mind on all the qualitative and less um, quantitative aspects of the valuation. That's I, the thing that worries me. You I know, how do they, I know there's not termites in the walls or something? Yeah. And so these people, they basically provide the inventory that you could pick mm-hmm. from to buy. They guarantee it. They basically put the balls on the line. They're like, this is going to work. They even provide a 30-day money-back guarantee, which is insane. Anyways, yeah. blah, blah, blah. That's next week. And then after we talk with um, this mystery guy, the final week will be into the nitty-gritty details of like, so you're looking at five rental properties. You know, How do you factor in crime and school and this and that and pick the right one, get the right team? Yeah. And do as little work as possible. That's what I want to do. Because we're lazy motherfuckers. Little work as possible. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I guess the big thing to do with this episode, if you haven't done so already, is to go check out the tool Mm. over at pro.listenmoneymatters.com. That's where you can put in any property and you can see all these numbers and start changing them um, and seeing how they interact with each other. So I think that's that's a really good thing to do. Like if you start understanding how they all play together, That's just going to really give you more confidence. If you just go in and tweak the numbers, yeah, I think you'll just understand at least how the process works. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, give that a try. And um, then we'll be back with next week's episode that will continue to build your knowledge. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, you can also email us your questions over at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com and check out our toolbox full of money resources at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. So that is all we've got for this episode. Thanks so much for sticking around with us and we will see you next week. Later, man. Later, dude. Please tell your friends about this show. Special thanks goes out to FreshBooks for sponsoring this episode. She works hard for the money. So hard for the money.